Well, good morning, everybody. Um, just to repeat what Peter said, um, it's really good to have you with us. If you're a visitor this morning, if you're up on the North Coast uh, on holiday or at Keswick or whatever, uh, we're really glad to, to have you with us this morning. Um, um, in MCF over the summer, um, we, people normally get a little bit of a break from me and get to listen to some other voices. And during the summer, we're going to be particularly hearing from some of our young adults uh, who've been part of a school of preaching uh, that we've been running recently in MCF. Uh, but this morning, you're stuck with me. I'm, I'm pretending to be a young adult this morning. Um, not sure if I can sneak in there. Um, and maybe um, a little bit counterintuitively, this morning is really the introduction to the series a week late. So um, Matt gave a brilliant uh, talk last Sunday, which I'd encourage you to go back and listen to. Uh, but this talk really sort of sets up the theme uh, for the summer, which uh, we'll talk about in a, in a little moment. Um, let me just say, um, if any of the primary age kids um, find the service a little bit long, um, there are some activity books out in reception, and some of the stewards can get you one of those if anybody would like an activity book. If any of the adults would like an activity book, um, might be okay, I don't know. Um, but you can try and listen to me for a while first. Um, let, let's pray for a moment as we uh, come to God's word. Um, Father, thank you that we have your promise that as we gather in your name, you are here with us. And so we want to pray as we open up your word this morning that you, the living, breathing, loving, powerful God, would speak to us by your, by your living word and by your living spirit, um, that we would hear words of life that would deeply impact our hearts and make a difference to the way that we live. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit, speak to us by your word. Your people are listening. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I want to read just three verses this morning from the beginning of Hebrews 12. They're quite famous verses. You can follow on the, the screen behind me or you can follow uh, in your own Bible. Um, and then I'm going to really be zooming in on really one phrase out of these three verses this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So in a moment, we're going to zoom in on one phrase, and I'll, I'll let you know what that is in a moment, but just... Um, We'll kind of uh, feel our way into the passage, first of all, and just kind of set the scene. Um, and maybe just wondering, first of all, what, what does that first line that we read mean? Uh, the first words we read, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Um, it's quite a poetic opening 
uh, to this chapter, but what does it mean? Um, well, if you've time later on, um, I want to encourage you to go back and read Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 um, is a, a, a justly very famous passage and a very powerful passage, um, and it names many of the Old Testament heroes of faith. Um, some people call Hebrews 11 the roll call of faith. It's kind of this um, naming of many of the great characters of the Old Testament and kind of telling their stories in just a few sentences. So you can read in Hebrews 11 a little bit about Noah and a little bit about Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and David. And maybe even as I say those names, we can have kind of a reaction, maybe even the hair on the back of our neck can stand up a little bit because even those names evoke those powerful stories from the Old Testament. These were people who really lived the adventure of faith. These were people who were almost kind of larger than life. They took risks, they suffered, they saw amazing miracles um, as God worked in their lives and in the world around them. They, they were people who really made their mark and made a difference and changed the world. And so their stories are still told today. We still talk about them thousands of years later. Right? It's this incredible roll call of faith. And the writer to the Hebrews, by the way, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, so I'll just call him the writer, um, tells us now that in some way, as we live our lives, as we run our race, these people are surrounding us as a cloud of witnesses. They're, in some way, they are watching us. In some way, they are kind of cheering us on as we live our lives and run our race. And so I want to ask you, how does that make you feel, right? That idea that as you get up on a Monday morning and go to live your life, Abraham and Moses and David and Gideon and Sarah and Rahab are in some way surrounding you, in some way watching you, in some way cheering you on. I wonder how you feel about that. Um, I got to be honest and say, I, I kind of have a double reaction. I I find it really inspiring, and I also find it a little bit intimidating, right? Um, and maybe I'll tell you a story uh, that might make that clear. I have a very vivid memory um, about when I was in P7 in primary school in Lisburn, and it was sports day, and I don't know if you're very into sports day or you hated sports day. Um, I was kind of very into it and very competitive. Um, and in our primary school, we had a, we had a relay race, which was a backward and forward relay, not around the track one. I remember all the detail. Um, and each class in P7 had to pick their four fastest runners to do the relay. And I was kind of fast. I wasn't the fastest, but I was fast enough to get in our classes relay. And being very competitive, we were all kind of looking at the different classes and trying to work out which one had the best team before sports day came up. And we were pretty sure our class had the fastest four. So we kind of went into it very confident and we were all hyped up. Um, I was running, I can't remember, I was running either the second or the third leg, not the first or the last. Um, and I safely got the baton for my leg and we were in the, in the lead already and we were already flying. And I was flying down that grass track and it was grass and I'm going to blame the track. Um, <laughs> because halfway through my leg, I tripped <laughs> spectacularly <laughs> and went head over heels. And in my memory to this day, it happened in slow motion and the baton kind of flew through the air and everyone kind of went, no, 
I don't know if they really did. Um, and the race was over. The others were away. It was gone. Um, and I wonder for some of us if that is maybe our fear, that as these heroes of the faith have run their race, and maybe, maybe you can even add in your own heroes of faith, as well as those Old Testament ones, your parents and grandparents and those who influenced you in the faith and inspired you in the faith, and they ran their race, and they ran it well, and then they've handed on the baton, and now they're watching as we run our leg of the race. And maybe our fear is, I'm going to drop the baton. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to trip. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail. With all those heroes of the faith watching on, and they're all going to be really disappointed with me, just as my classmates were really disappointed in me uh, that day in P7. Um, I wonder if some of that might be part of what we feel as we read this. And so maybe an urgent question for us, or a really important question for us is, how can we run our part of the race well? Right? If the baton's been given to us and it's our turn to run, um, how can we run well? Uh, and I want to suggest that the, the author of Hebrews here really offers us two really simple pieces of wisdom, pieces of advice. One of them is kind of a negative um, instruction. The other one's positive. Um, the negative one is simply this, is throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles. So in other words, identify the things that are weighing you down and holding you back. Um, and that could be sin in your life or it could be something else. There are things that hinder us and hold us back that are not sin, but they're getting in the way of running well. Um, identify the things that are hindering, that are entangling, that are weighing you down, that are holding you back, and throw them from you. It's a very violent, decisive image, isn't it? It's not just sort of set them aside. It's fling them away from you um, aggressively and throw them from you so that you're ready to run. So that's kind of the negative instruction. Identify the things that are um, hindering and entangling and throw them away. But then here is the positive instruction. If you want to run well, um, how do we run well in our generation, in our leg of the race? And the, the author of the Hebrews gives us, I think, one simple positive instruction. And it's this, if we can put it up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And that's the phrase that I want to focus on this morning. It's very simple. Um, if you want to run well, if you want to live well, Fix your eyes on Jesus. I've been really struck by how simple that encouragement is. Um, and maybe just aware as I reflected, sometimes we make the Christian life very complicated. Uh, we make the Christian life about lots and lots of complicated doctrines. So here is a long list of things that you need to understand and get your head around and believe. Or we make the Christian life about complicated rules. Here's a big list of rules and regulations and commands and things you need to obey. Um, or we make the Christian life about complicated activity. So here is a list of lots and lots of things you need to do every day, every week. If you're going to be a good Christian, you need to do this, you need to do that and the other. Um, and of course, there is an important place for doctrine and for commands and for activity in the Christian life. But at its heart, 
the Christian life is this simple. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And the author of the Hebrews says, uh, the reason we're to fix our eyes on Jesus is because he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And I love that phrase. He's the pioneer and perfecter, or some uh, translations say he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And by the way, that doesn't mean he just begins it and ends it, but in between it's over to us. If he's the beginning and the end, he's also everything in between, right? He is the alpha and he is the omega. Those were the, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So we might say he was the A and the, the Z, or the Z if you're American, Matty. That's for you, Matty. Um, but he's also all the other letters in between, right? He is the starting line and he's the finishing line, but he's also the whole race, the whole journey, the whole way that we run. He has begun a good work in you and he's going to carry it on to completion. He's the pioneer. He's the perfecter. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, I've been kind of reflecting on this recently and I've been, I've been noticing this theme uh, repeating in the New Testament. The, the importance of seeing Jesus or looking at Jesus. I don't know if you've ever noticed that as you've read your Bible. Um, the importance of seeing him clearly. Um, let me give you a few examples from the New Testament where seeing Jesus and looking at Jesus are really important. Um, John the Baptist in John, John 1 sees Jesus coming towards him. And what does John the Baptist say to his own disciples? He says, behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I think it's one of the best one-line sermons in the Bible. John the Baptist knows if he can just get people to look away from him and look at Jesus, then everything else will follow. Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Another example, uh, Paul writing to the Galatians in Galatians 3. Um, Paul is quite blunt with the Galatians because the Galatians have got very mixed up about the gospel, very confused about the gospel. And so Paul says to the Galatians, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has put a spell on you? And then he says this, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I find that fascinating because the Galatians lived in Asia Minor, which is in modern day Turkey. They weren't there in Jerusalem to see Jesus being crucified. So what does Paul mean? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. He's talking about um, whenever Paul and his friends came to Galatia and shared the gospel with those people, what they were doing in their preaching was nothing less than helping them to see Jesus as if they'd been there. And especially to see Jesus in his death on the cross. That was Paul's whole goal, to get people to see Jesus and especially to see Christ crucified. Before your very eyes, he was portrayed as crucified. Paul knew if people could only see Jesus and see Jesus on the cross, everything else would follow. Another couple of examples, Paul writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3, and one of my favorite verses says that, as we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Now, there's a big 
phrase. Uh, what does it mean to contemplate the Lord's glory? It simply means to look intently or to gaze lovingly at the beauty and brightness of Jesus. Right? To contemplate his glory means to, to look intently, to keep looking, to gaze lovingly at the glory of Jesus, at the brightness and beauty of Jesus. And what does Paul go on to say? That as we do that, as we look intently, as we gaze lovingly, um, we will be transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, right? I find myself thinking, is, is that not what we all want? Is that not what we, we all want, to be like Jesus, to reflect his character, to reflect his holiness, his love, his kindness, his goodness, his courage, his compassion. We want to be like Jesus. Paul says it happens as we look at Jesus and keep looking intently and lovingly in that direction. We will be changed so we become like him. One last example. I could go on with examples all morning, but one last example. John, uh, writing to many churches in, in the letter of 1 John, uh, in 1 John 3, John says, right now, we are already children of God. And then he says, but what we shall be, what we will be, has not yet been made known. In other words, you and I are not the finished article. We're already children of God, but we're not finished yet. And nobody has seen what the final version of Helen is going to look like, or what the final version of Brian is going to look like, or the final version of Ryan. Nobody has seen it yet. Nobody knows what the final result is going to be like. But then he says this, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see the same theme again that was in Paul is there in John's writing. In the end, one day we'll finally see Jesus as he is with nothing clouding or blurring our vision. And when that happens, when we see him as he is, then what has been begun in our lives will be complete. We will be like him when we see him. When you see Jesus, you get changed to be like him. Everything else follows when you have a clear vision, a clear view of Jesus. So there's our little run through the New Testament. Um, and so I want to ask really practically then, what does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? Um, the language to me, when you hear the language of fixing our eyes, the language sound, suggests something really intentional and really deliberate and really decisive. It's not about glancing at Jesus. It's about fixing your eyes on him. It's not enough maybe to have a vague intention to look at Jesus because there are going to be so many other things that are competing for our attention. Um, as you live your life this week, there are going to be so many other things saying, look over here, look over here look over here, and there are going to be things that seem shiny and exciting and urgent and important, vying for your attention. And so Paul says, fix your eyes on Jesus so you won't be distracted by the other things that are trying to grab your attention. Um, and it's so important because what we look at and give our attention to will shape our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, that what we look at, what we give our attention to, will shape our lives, will shape the people we become, will shape the way we run. 
And so let me make this really practical. Um, I found myself thinking about this as I reflected. Um, if you and I fix our eyes on our mobile phones um, and on our laptops and on our TVs, we fix our eyes there and then we glance at Jesus from time to time but then come back to the thing that we've fixed our eyes on. What kind of people will we become? How will we run if that's where our attention is fixed? Well, let me give some other examples. If we fix our eyes, I guess they're all related. If we fix our eyes on the world of social media, if our attention is fixed on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all the rest, I can't even remember them now. Um, if that's where our attention is fixed, and then we glance at Jesus from time to time, but come back here where our attention is focused, what kind of people will we become? How will we run? If we fix our eyes on the, the wider world of entertainment, if our attention is fixed on TV shows and films and music and video games and sport and uh, celebrity gossip and all the rest, if that's where our attention is fixed and we glance from time to time at Jesus but then come back here, what kind of people will we become? How will we run? What we look at shapes the people we become. Or maybe some of you are thinking, John Mark, I'm much too serious a person to focus on those frivolous things. So let me, let me ask this. If we fix our eyes on the news and all the big important things that are going on in the world, if we fix our eyes on the war in Ukraine and the cost of living crisis and the migrant crisis and the climate crisis and every other kind of crisis and things closer to home here in Northern Ireland, if that's where our eyes are fixed and then we glance at Jesus from time to time, but come back here as the centre of our focus. What kind of people will we become? Or if we fix our eyes on the culture war and all the big things that people are arguing about in our world, the politics of left and right and conservative and liberal and woke and anti-woke and all the rest, if that's where our attention is fixed and every now and again we glance at Jesus, what kind of people will we become? How will we run? Or maybe... To put it really simply, if we fix our eyes on our own plans and our own projects and our own problems, and that's where our attention is focused, and then every now and again we glance at Jesus and come back here to our focus of attention, what kind of people will we become? Where we give our attention, where we look, where we fix our eyes will decisively shape the people we are and the way that we live and the way that we run. What would it be like if we fix our eyes on Jesus? If he is the one who holds the center of our attention every moment of every day, and then we glance at these other things from time to time. We give them the attention that they need or the attention that they deserve, but our attention keeps coming back to our, the center of gravity of our attention is Jesus. Um, what will happen then? We will be changed into his likeness from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We'll be able to run with perseverance and even with joy. We will not grow weary and lose heart, as our passage in Hebrews said. There's a lot at stake in where we give our 
attention. Um, if Jesus is the centre of our focus, um, let him be your vision, as we sometimes sing. Um, let him be the Lord of your heart. Let him be your best thought by day or by night. Your first thought, your last thought, your in-between thoughts, waking or sleeping. Let his presence be your light and everything follows from there. Um, and I want to throw it out to you maybe as a, a really practical challenge. Um, what would it look like this summer? Um, what would it look like for you this summer to make this kind of your one goal? Maybe you have lots of other goals this summer. Uh, but what would it look like for this to be your central goal? To fix your eyes on Jesus. And like I said a moment ago, I think it needs to be more than vague intention. What would you need to do in terms of your daily habits for your attention to be focused on Jesus and not on all these other things that we've talked about? Um, it might mean spending time this summer reading one of the Gospels. It's one of the simplest ways that we can soak ourselves in the company of Jesus and the person of Jesus and the, uh, the reality of Jesus. Um, it might mean setting a reminder on your phone every hour that just says, fix your eyes on Jesus. It just reminds you, brings you back. It might mean memorizing these verses from Hebrews and just bringing them to mind again and again and again. Focusing your mind back on the one who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God and just fixing your mind back there again. Um, it might mean sitting quietly three times a day in the morning and at lunchtime and in the evening and just consciously bringing your focus back to Jesus. It might mean choosing some worship songs that help you fix your eyes on Jesus and playing them in the car as you go to work or uh, playing them around the house as you do the housework or whatever it is. Um, but we've got to be intentional. We've got to be decisive. Um, we need to choose to fix our eyes on Jesus. I want to throw that out to you as a challenge for the summer. Uh, maybe talk to each other this week uh, about how are you going to do that? What steps are you going to take so that your eyes are focused on Jesus? Um, and I want to finish with this. Um, I want to go back to the, the image of the relay race and me falling in uh, P7. Because I want to say this to finish. Um, if we make a deliberate choice to fix our eyes on Jesus, I want to say something that may be slightly disappointing. Um, it doesn't mean you will never stumble or trip or fall. Um, and if you don't believe me, go, go and remind yourself of the story of Abraham or the story of Moses or the story of David to pick three of the big names from Hebrews 11. Because they were all people with feet of clay who stumbled and failed and fell flat on their faces sometimes. But what happened in their stories was they got up and they kept running. They're, they're not examples to us of perfection. They're examples of faith. They kept their eyes on the God who had made them, the God who had called them, the God who forgave them, the God who went ahead of them. And they kept their eyes on God's amazing grace. And they kept running. And so as you fix your eyes on Jesus this week and this summer and try to follow him, you will still sometimes stumble and trip and sometimes even fall flat on your face. But when you do, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Right? 
don't grow weary, don't lose heart. That cloud of witnesses that we talked about, they're not standing in judgment on you. They're not laughing at you or pointing the finger. They're shouting encouragement to you. They're saying, get up and keep running. And whatever you do, fix your eyes on Jesus. He has begun it. He's going to end it. He's the pioneer. He's the perfecter. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Let me pray for us. Um, and then we're going to sing a song of response uh, before Peter leads us into communion. Let's pray. Um, Father, I want to pray. Would you help us by your spirit to take the simple things that we've been talking about this morning and put them into practice in our lives? Um, we confess that we are a people who get easily distracted by so many things. Some of them that seem really important, some of them that we know are silly and trivial, but we get really easily distracted. And I want to pray, would you teach us what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus, to have our hearts centered on him? Father, I want to pray, would you help each of us to know in practice what habits we need to put into our days that will help us to do that? We want to pray that it wouldn't just be a vague intention that we've forgotten about by Monday lunchtime. Would you help us to know um, how we can live this and embody this this week in our lives? But Father, we want to thank you that the more we get to see Jesus, the more we will be changed to be like him. And so it's really worth this battle for our, our sight and our vision and our attention. And I pray you would stir in us that hope that you are changing us into his likeness from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory. And so help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Help us to see him. I pray even in this morning in this service that some of us would get a really clear vision of Jesus that would be transformative for our hearts and minds and lives. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.